Well, while the kids are leaving, let me let me say my own good morning to each of you. Sorry that you're going to have to look at me now for the next 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> but let me seriously wish you a very Merry Christmas season. If um, you're new or if you're just here, we want you to know that we're delighted to see you. And we have a welcome center for those of you who are new and um, we designed it for you. We hope you can take a moment to take a peek at it. It's through that door to your left when we're done. There is some bits and pieces of information about the church, which we think will be of help to you. Also, when you came in, you probably received a worship folder. There's a little insert in there. It's a contact card. And if you would consider filling that out, we would be terrifically pleased. When you're done, you can fold it up and stick it in our offering boxes at either of the church entrances. So just keep that in mind. Also, if you haven't been invited yet, I would like to invite you to our Christmas Eve service at 4 p.m. a week from this Thursday. Again, Christmas Eve, uh, 4 p.m. We want you to be here if you have no place to go. Well, we had a wonderful time at our 9 a.m. service, and now here we are just about at the tail end of our 10.30 a.m. service, and we heard the truth as it is in Jesus from a doctor and, and some kids. So, if you have that handout, by the way, you're, you're going to notice that the next thing we're going to do is, I'm going to do the Advent reading this morning, so I'm in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. Let me just, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished." Now we have Mary's song. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then return home. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word, and now we're going to light the candle of joy. And if you would, please, let's bow together and pray. Father, in the message and in the meaning of Christmas, we find straightforwardly that Christ was born not so much to live, but to die. 
His perfect life, His horrible death was the only response to your holiness and to your justice and our sin. For Christ is the only basis for a right standing with you now and eternal life in your heaven after we meet death. And Father, if we were to say this morning that we were, are without sin and without the need of Jesus, we would deceive ourselves and your truth would be far from us. So this morning, we thank you for the eternal plan. We thank you for your amazing grace. And we ask that all of us would be given that grace to rest completely upon the Lord Jesus Christ with a living faith. And so cleansed by his precious blood with a made-up mind, a new mind, to live for him, his way, just as you would like. Father, have mercy on all of us now to those ends, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you or beneath you. It's page 681 in that church Bible. I'm just actually going to read uh, two verses. Matthew chapter 1, two verses, verses 20 and 21. I think this dovetails nicely to what we just saw. Verse 21, Matthew chapter 1. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So if we could just pray again, I need God's help to speak. Father, we pray that you would glorify yourself and your son as your word is preached. We believe, God, that when your word is truly taught, then your voice is truly heard. And please help all of us to listen and help me to speak. And may I say what you want me to say the way you would like me to say it. And may you answer this prayer, Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, there are many ways people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed. The main way is they hear it in a context like this, Sunday by Sunday, and the great wonder and the great privilege of public worship and hearing the word of God preached. They hear the gospel from a friend, so a cup of coffee, a conversation, and a decision needing to be made. They hear it as they read it. So people open the Bible and they hear the voice of God in the pages of his book. Church camps, songs, hymns, radio, the World Wide Web. There are many ways people hear the gospel proclaimed. There are many ways people hear of their sin and their need to repent and to believe on Christ. There are many ways people hear that Jesus is the only way to God, that the cross is the only way to be forgiven, and one day everybody will be judged. So repent and believe. And this morning, you and I heard the gospel proclaimed by children, young and very young. You and I heard the good news in a way that we could enjoy it because, yeah, I get it. The kids are super cute. You and I heard the gospel in a way that we could remember it because my guess is that most of us in this room have been to some kind of Christmas pageant or Christmas program, and you've probably been to enough to know that they're not going to pronounce some words correctly, that someone's going to wave to their parents, someone will fall off the platform, someone's going to fiddle with someone else's kids, and and that great uh, 
thing where all the moms get, get closer as the program gets going and all the kids determine to leave the program as the program gets going. It's going to happen. I mean, I'm a pretty serious person. I hate messing with something as sacred as public worship, but I, I get all this and I enjoy all this. But the point is, some of us have heard the gospel for the 1,000th time and some of us for the first time. We heard that the only message is about the only man who's always existed because he's God. He was born into this world as a baby to start that 33-year track to his death on a cross in order that all his people's sins, past, present, and future, and if you're like me, there's a tremendous amount of forgiveness which is needed so that all those sins can be forgiven. And so we would know and feel forgiven. We would know no guilt. We would know God's peace. We would become God's child, part of God's family, and feel God's love. And then live for God's pleasure now on earth and one day soon in heaven. That's the gospel in essence. And we heard it this morning from cute little kids. And you're going to get pizza and Coke and cookies for free as soon as I shut up. Now, how much easier can it get? Kids, Coke, cookies, pizza, and only a few minutes of me. But you see, there remains the possibility maybe a large possibility that many of us here, as many times as we've heard the gospel, we still remain outside of Christ. You're religious, but you're not converted. You like getting together like this. You like the fellowship. It helps, but you remain in your sin. You're interested. You have a, at least an intellectual assent. You agree with the gospel, but you never bow to the king of the gospel. In other words, it's still your life. You still call all the shots. Jesus is good. But you'll call on Jesus only when you need Jesus. You're moral. You're a really nice person, but you're not perfect. And the Bible's pretty straightforward. God demands perfection. The Bible teaches that without perfection, without perfect holiness, no one is fit for God's presence and no one gets into God's heaven, which is why Christ had to break into this world. Now, there was a man named Thomas Paine. He lived in America in the latter part of the 18th century and a few years into the 19th. He was politically active. He was a friend of Thomas Jefferson. He wrote the famous line that I bet most of you know, these are the times that try men's souls. He wrote the book, The Age of Reason, which was a treaty against the, the legitimacy of the Bible and the uselessness of the gospel. By all accounts, he was a moral man, I actually have one of his quotes in my Black Book of Quotes. Actually, it's hanging on my refrigerator. But, but he was an atheist. He was, by word and deed, an enemy of Christ. He found no need of the gospel, though he had heard it often. And Thomas Paine, like all men and women, have or will, he met his death on June 8, 1809, at the age of 72. On his deathbed... His life ebbing away, the stark realities of what will come after were much larger than what he was prepared for. His soon coming death was just overwhelming him. The end was there. Pain wasn't ready. And pain, knowing the message of the gospel, but never having quite given himself to it, pleaded with those around 
him. And this is his quote on his deathbed. Stay with me for God's sake. I can't bear to be left alone. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, God, what have I done to suffer so much? What will become of me hereafter? I would give worlds if I had them that the age of reason, a book uh, against Jesus, that the age of reason had never been published. Oh, Lord, help me. Christ, help me. No, don't leave. Stay with me. Send even a child to stay with me. Send a child, for I am on the edge of hell here alone. If ever the devil had an agent, I have been that one. And soon after those words, he dies. Now, loved ones, many do their best to emotionalize or romanticize the Christmas story. They add things. They subtract things because it doesn't play well on television or because it won't look right on a Christmas card. But the Bible is not interested in anything but telling the truth as it is in Jesus. Because the divine author of the Bible, he loves us. So in the Christmas story, there's true history. There's a king, Herod, a Caesar, Augustus, a census to be taken of the entire Roman world. Check the historical record. It's all true. There's geography in the Christmas story, real places in a real time. It really happened on this planet, a Nazareth, Bethlehem, and Egypt. There is harsh reality in the Christmas story, how men of power cannot stand to lose that power. We saw it there. Herod sends out his special forces. Every child, male, below the age of two, dead. Dead. Bible scholars tell us It's at least 2,000 babies dead on that day. History, geography, reality, even fulfilled prophecy because that event was fulfilled and prophesied in the Old Testament. And then there's theology. That was what we read, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. You will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So why does God do all this? Why all this stuff, a baby, world, so long ago? Well, this is why. The Bible tells us that we are completely helpless in our sins. Now, religion says something like, clean up your act, then God will accept you. But Christianity says, no, no, God will accept you when you acknowledge that you can't clean up your act and you, mu- you know you must have it done for you, and you finally realize that Jesus is the only one who can do it for you. Religion says, be good and you'll be accepted. Christianity says, because of Jesus, you're accepted. Now go and be good. It's vastly different. So we're going to have to come to grips with our helplessness before God if we are ever to be able to become God's people. And I know it might not be very palatable, but this is what the Bible says. We are sinners. We are helpless. We are broken and we cannot fix ourselves. All our best deeds before God are dirty. And if God was grading on the curve, maybe we'd have a bit of a chance. But God does not grade on the curve. God wants perfection. And so the honest person here this morning who no longer wants to play pretend says, Oh my, what can I do? I know me. I especially know the secret me. Unless someone would stand in my place then, before God, I am finished. 
you shall give him the name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And loved ones, that's Christmas. The kid in the crib will be the man on the cross. And that is the gift that God has given to the world. That is the peace that God would have for the people in this world. And that is the gift each of us here so desperately need. So what are you looking for this Christmas? What are you looking for from God? Some terrific sign from heaven? Voices in your head? Are you waiting for things to get better? Or perhaps you're waiting for you to get better. Your answer is right there. It's the baby in the crib. It's the man on the cross. And he's calling. He's calling. You know, I wonder why Thomas Paine called out for kids, for children, on his deathbed. I wonder why he didn't come earlier to Christ. Cry out earlier for mercy. Do you think that maybe Mr. Payne thought of the Bible scripture that says, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. The gospel, loved ones, is this. I'm so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet I am so valued and I am so loved that Jesus was glad to die for me. It is a gift. We need to receive it. We need to open it up if we will ever know eternal life with God. And many of us have heard that story, that true gospel story, many, many times. But here we are again. And if you need to, will you not come to Christ this morning? Will you not come to Jesus Christ this morning. We're done. If you have any questions, I'm going to be hanging around here after the service, so please come and let's talk. Okay, we had the kids. You had me. Now comes the pizza and the Coke and the cookies and the good company. But again... Please don't leave here without Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for his blessing over the food, and that way it'll be okay to eat it. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, by your mighty power and love, today, tonight, very soon, call out to those who need your Son who need to be awakened to their need for him in order that they would humble themselves, repent, and believe, and become your child, and become part of your family. May you bless our meal, bless the company that we're with, our conversation, and our very lives. For Jesus' sake, we ask these things. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.